So I'm reading from James chapter 2, starting from verse 1. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonoured the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? Well, happy Mother's Day, everyone. And hi to my mums, my mum Kay and my mother-in-law Sue, who've been watching in on HBC Online. And I just wanted to say how encouraged I've been in the midst of tough time to see the mums at church has been continuing to do such a great job of loving your kids and pointing them to Jesus. Thank you and keep going. Now, we know that a good mum or a good dad, for that matter, good families should not show favouritism. I was brought up an only child, uh, so I don't know what it's like to have sibling rivalry. My parents said that I was a perfect package the first time around. Um, but imagine, I don't know what's funny about that, guys, <clears throat> but imagine, right, you had a family, you're coming back for, say, it's a family dinner and you're coming with your siblings and you're coming to the dinner table and your parents say, okay, the kid with the, the biggest paycheck or the kid with the, the best Mother's Day gift, you come and you can sit at the head of the table because you are my favourite. You can have the seat of honour next to us because we love you more. And imagine the kid with the worst Mother's Day parent or a present or with the, the lowest income, they came and we said, no, you can sit under the table at the seat of dishonour. You can sit at our feet. We would think that that is horrible for a family or for parents to do that. And as we come to the book of James and we dig deeply into God's word, we're going to see that it's actually the same that the family of believers should not show favoritism as well. Now, that can seem pretty simple on the surface, that we shouldn't, shouldn't show favoritism, but why? I mean, it's easy if you're not a Christian and you're at home, you would be uh, not, for not showing favoritism, you'd be for anti-discrimination, you'd be for equality, but why? And so what we're going to do as we read through chapter 2, verses 1 to 7, we're going to get clear on what favoritism is and then we're going to go deeper into thinking about why favoritism is so incompatible with our faith. So have a look there in verse 1 as we get clear on what favoritism is. James writing to the, the churches, he says, My brothers and sisters, God's family, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Now, on the surface, that's pretty simple. You shouldn't show favoritism. But what is it? Well, the word favoritism there in verse 1, it literally means to receive someone's face. 
It's the, it's the idea of treating someone favorably based on their external appearance or their external circumstances. So when you understand that that is what favoritism, in, if favoritism is, it can be pretty broad, all the ways that you might show favoritism based on someone's external circumstances, whether it's their looks or their success or their status or their wealth. But in the next couple of verses, James gives us a real specific example probably of how he had been seeing favoritism among the Christians back in his day. And so in verse 2 he says, Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, Here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, You stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves? and become judges with evil thoughts. He says you're showing favoritism by pedestaling the rich and dishonoring the poor. I remember a few years ago, a mate invited me to watch a footy game from a corporate box, and it was a whole different experience. I had a lanyard around my neck that said I was a VIP, a very important person. And instead of sitting behind the goalpost where you can't hardly see any of the game, I was on the halfway line, and instead of having to line up for, che- for expensive, soggy, cold chips, we had a, were in a warm, cosy room and had a waiter coming around with finger food fresh out of the oven whenever we wanted it. And I remember going, looking down on the rest of the peasants in the stadium and going, imagine if church was like the way the world worked. Imagine if we did church like that, where someone who was rich in the eyes of the world who are successful in the eyes of the world, they, they walked in the church, maybe they're wealthy, maybe they're good-looking, maybe they have an awesome lifestyle, and we gave them the VIP, the very important person treatment. So in that scenario, you'd, you'd come in, or maybe it's at home you're getting the VIP treatment, and so we guard you from Pete the Pest, all right? The, he is off limits. There's no way he is coming into your home. And then maybe after church you get to meet Dave and Al and some of the people from around church, and you get the special food and drinks after church. But in contrast, someone who's poor in the eyes of the world walks in and we say, stand over there. We don't even want to acknowledge you. You can sit at our feet if you want to be here. But in actual fact, it'd probably be better if you weren't here. Imagine if we did church that way. And James says in verse 6 to the churches that he's writing to, when you do this, you're dishonoring the poor. And he goes on to say, the rich, aren't they the ones who are exploiting you? Aren't they the ones dragging you into court? Aren't they the ones blaspheming the name of our God? And you see how James, what he's doing here is showing the irony of what they're doing. The very people you're putting up on this pedestal, the very people you actually aspire to be like, they dishonor you and they dishonor the God that you follow. So you think about this for a moment for yourself. Why are we tempted to show favoritism to someone who's honoured in the eyes of the world? Whether they're rich, powerful, successful, popular, whatever it may be, why would we be tempted to favour someone like that? Well, it's because we'll have that relationship based on what they have to offer us. Whether it's money or status or a relationship, or they affirm that I'm an important person, or they make me feel good about myself. I mean, if I'm really honest with myself, I loved the very important person treatment. 
And our, our culture aspires us to be somebody, to have status, whether it's a successful career, financial stability, owning your own home, going on awesome travel experiences, having a great lifestyle. We pedestal those things in our culture. And sometimes we value those things deep, more deeply than more interior kind of things, things like inner beauty and character, integrity and eternity. And so this is what favoritism is. Favoritism is showing someone better or preferential treatment over someone else because you think they have more worth to you. It judges books by their cover. And in verse 4, James calls it for what it is. He says that's discrimination. It's evil. Now, maybe you're watching online and you wouldn't consider yourself to be a Christian. Our culture, it's all about anti-discrimination and equality. Maybe you're on board with the idea that favoritism is wrong. But why? Other than saying because it just is, what's the foundational reasons as to why that you think favoritism or discrimination, they're wrong? Because let's just dig into two other worldviews. Let's think about atheism and karma for a second. Let's say for a moment, God, hypothetically, he didn't exist and we believe in this purely evolutionary worldview that most of atheism is based on. In that worldview, we're taught that we have evolved through natural selection. It's all about survival of the fittest. The strong progress and the weak are destroyed. And so, friends, in that worldview, who are you going to favour? Who are you going to want to associate yourself with more? You're going to want to associate and show favouritism to the fitter, the more successful people because of their worth to you in being able to survive. Don't bother looking out for the weak or the vulnerable or the sick. And now atheists wouldn't do this. They wouldn't live this out, but that is the logic of that worldview. Atheism actually affirms discrimination. It affirms favouritism through natural selection. Or take karma as another example. Karma is the idea of what goes around, comes around, you want to, uh, good things to happen to you. You have to be a good person. If you don't want bad things to happen to you, then don't be a bad person. And so in that worldview, who are you going to favour? The people that good things are happen to, happening to or the people that bad things are happening to, like suffering? Because these people that bad things are happening to, it must be that they're bad people. And the good people, well, you want to associate yourselves with them. You want to show favouritism to them because then you might get some of their good karma. Good things might happen to you if you hang out with that crowd. And so karma, which is foundational to a number of other religions, it also affirms favouritism. It also affirms discrimination. So what about Christianity? What are the foundational reasons that James gives us as to why favouritism is incompatible with our faith? Well, have a look at what he says in verse 5. He says, listen, family, listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? He says, favoritism is incompatible with our faith because God does not show favoritism. Now, James is not saying here that God doesn't choose the rich, but he's pointing out the very people who are poor in the eyes of the world, that the world 
dishonour, that these Christians are dishonouring, these very people who we're going to be tempted to discriminate against, God exalts them to salvation. Now, what does that tell us about salvation in God? Well, have a look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 along similar lines. He says, family, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called, when you were saved. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. Now, Christian, have you ever wondered why did God choose to save you? Why did God choose to save us? Well, Paul says it's because most of us were losers in the eyes of the world. And so why did he choose us losers? Well, he says it's to shame the favoritism, the pedestaling and the the, the, the dishonouring that goes on in the world. And what it shows us about God's salvation is that no one can boast before God when he saves. God chooses those who are worthless in the eyes of the world to show all of us that his love and salvation, it's not based on how good I am or my greatness. It's not because of my good works, but it's because of his generosity and his grace alone that he saves. And friends, these truths, rightfully understood by Christians throughout the centuries, have driven driven Christians to not show favoritism and to love the poor in the eyes of the world. These foundations drove people like Martin Luther King Jr. or William Wilberforce in the civil rights movement and the abolition of slavery because Christians, we believe foundationally that all humanity are created equally in the image of God. We also believe that we've all equally been sinful in dishonouring our God and because of our sin, we are unworthy of God. And yet we also don't show favouritism because of how God saves even when we're like that. Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians 8 to say, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Though he was rich, God himself in Jesus Christ humbled himself by becoming human and then dying on the cross to pay a debt that we could never repay and more than pay our debt. He gives us his kingdom. He gives us his eternal love and calls us into his family. Not because of anything we have done, but all because of his goodness, his grace alone. Now, friends, when you believe in the glorious Lord Jesus Christ and you place him in the seat of honour, not yourself or anyone else in this world, but Jesus Christ, you see clearly that favoritism is incompatible with our faith because God has not shown you favoritism when he saved you. He saved you by his generosity and grace alone. And when you know you've been loved like that, don't you want to be like him? Don't you want to love other people that way as well? Now, you might be at home and you're not a Christian. Why not? (laughs) 
Why wouldn't you want to be? I mean, no other worldview gives you this solid foundation for why favoritism and discrimination is wrong. But more than that, when you put your trust in Jesus, you get the King, the Lord of the universe, who has loved you this way. And he transforms you to show this love by the power of his Holy Spirit to others as well. Why wouldn't you want to be a Christian? But family, those of you who do believe, Jesus himself in the Sermon on the Mount, he he taught us, if you love those who love you, if you love people because of what they offer you, if you just love, throw love bombs at people because they're like you, then actually you're just showing favoritism and you're no different to the world. But he says, be like your heavenly father because you've been called into this family. Love those who have nothing to offer you in return. Even love your enemies and pray for your enemies. It's these ideas of creation and sin and salvation that drive us to treat others this way with undeserved love and mercy. And you know what? In the midst of COVID, I've been tired I've been overwhelmed and I reckon I've noticed a tendency in my own heart to drift towards reaching out to people based on what they have to offer me because I've been in need, I've been struggling and so I want to get them and start relationships based on the support and prayers and all the friendships that they're going to have. Now, there's nothing wrong with deep friendships of mutual support. That's actually affirmed throughout God's word. But when the pattern of our relationships is that we're always reaching out to those based on what they offer us, then friends, that's favoritism. And God's word has shown me I need to repent of that. And so some litmus test questions are, who are the people you've been contacting or seeking to catch up with or to encourage Have you been touching base with people who are poor in the eyes of the world and reaching out and seeking to love them? Because HBC, we want to keep being people. We do this really well most of the time. We want to keep being a people by God's grace who know that every single person matters to God. We want to be a church where every single person who is different to us who is poor in the eyes of the world and is, is loved and welcomed with the same kind of love that God has shown us. And so through this season, we want to keep thinking about how we can be intentional about how we're going to do church, how we're going to walk in a church, how we're going to, throughout our week, keep reaching out to those people who may not have anything to offer us. But we'll do that because we're convicted of how God has saved us. Let's pray we'll be the kind of church that does that. Heavenly Father, we thank you that even though not many of us were wise, not many of us were of noble birth, we were lowly, foolish, weak, and all of us are sinful and have nothing to offer you, you chose by your grace and your goodness to save us. Lord, we ask that you would transform us by the power of that grace at work through your Holy Spirit as we keep digging into your word to live like Jesus has loved us. Not showing favoritism or discriminating or dishonouring others, but showing generosity and grace to all people. Help us to love those who are different to us, who may have nothing to offer, who are poor in the eyes of the world. 
because we have been loved that way by you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.